else to grab. You know, you just grab stuff sometimes. Yeah, I do. You just be grabbing stuff. You just be grabbing stuff. But you literally looked at me like I was insane when I asked you what. So what was in the growler? You were like, I didn't have a growler. What are you talking about? I was not intending to gaslight you. I gaslit myself, basically. <laughs> trick myself. Wrangle. Yeah, I tricked my own brain again. Uh, that happens. Yeah. All right. So uh, welcome back to Otaku, everybody. podcast and in that endeavor we tried to watch some seasonally appropriate things um which (laughs) you know (laughs) exactly two uh and we had a lot of free time at the end of the month which we will be covering more stuff for november so yeah if you're in my discord servers and you've seen me talk about stuff i'm currently watching it will not be covered in this podcast (laughs) But it will be covered in next month. Um, All right. So cheers to your Mm. pina colada and my pina blue ribbon. Pina colada. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that gotcha. Yep. That almost came out my nose. Oh, man. Disaster. (laughs) Okay. So we're starting with Star Wars Visions, which I feel like we watched probably at the end of September, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we watched it. Well, we started watching it right after it came out. Yeah, and then, and then we forgot it like, about it. <laughs> yeah, like a week and a half hiatus. <laughs> and it was like, oh yeah, we we have like more of the Star Wars anime to watch, which was really cool because I like for years and years I've always been like, why isn't Star Wars and anime like fucking synonymous by now? Well, I remember ages ago that there was a like like back in the late 90s early 2000s uh dark horse did a manga adaptation of oof that was, that was your ankle they did a manga adaptation of the i think at least the first movie so episode four if not the entire trilogy that I'm, i remember being very hype about that makes sense considering the the prequels were about to come out if it was like 98 99 yeah so the but, first prequel was set to debut and they probably thought like, hey, let's let's renew interest in this by <clears throat> re-releasing the original trilogy, like, you know, touched up a little bit on VHS box sets and. Yeah, but I don't I mean, I didn't get like I mean, Dark Horse was still the dark horse of the comic industry. And I don't think that they really got a lot of traction with it. anyways. I just remember seeing it um, as something that I wish I had bought at the time and I never did. Yeah, I so, feel like that's probably a collector's item by now, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. I mean, just you and I were in high school during the same time period and watching anime at the same time period. And it, I guess like in my mid-20s, it just kind of occurred to me that like Star Wars and anime, like they were made for each other. And so finally now we have this anime adaptation of like short uh, nine episode vignettes mm-hmm. uh, that very, I feel like they're anywhere from like eight minutes to like a half an hour ish yeah they were i mean they were all over the place which was cool because you could tell that they gave like disney surprisingly gave a lot of um wiggle room 
to the production houses that put it together, which yeah. is not very typical for them. But they were big animation studios. Yeah. I actually have them. Let me see. Let me pull up the page real quick. I mean, Trigger did two. Like, yeah, Trigger so did two separate shorts. Nine episodes and seven studios. Um, Kamikaze Doga, Studio Colorido. I might be saying this completely wrong. It might be Colorado. I don't know. Uh, Geno Studio, Trigger, Kinema, Citrus, Production IG, and Science Saru. Did Production IG do two as well? Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah. I mean, um, between them and Trigger, they're yeah. very, um, very visually um, earmarked. Like yeah, like, and oh, I, think, Trigger. I think the writing on these was also like, I think, I believe they're all different authors and they're all... <laughs> Japanese authors actually which is really cool now that I'm looking at it and you know they weren't I don't they, they don't really sync up with each other they're not connected in any way except for the fact they're all about like um, Jedi versus Sith in some capacity there's like a definite bad guy in most of them and I really like how the first episode hit really hard with like the whole Ronin like um aesthetic and like that time period and like the art style was really cool and my cat is screaming in the background <laughs> um oh i thought that was a good like setup for oh my gosh okay she probably has her toy <laughs> um so i thought that was like a really good like first episode kind of like here's what's going on it's a really unique art style uh it was a really unique story with really badass like villains and non-villains just to go around and so and it was very typical anime in the fact that it was like you know you've got the the good guy who doesn't really see himself as a good guy and like the bad guys were like, yeah, we're here to fuck your shit up. Mm-hmm. No, they uh, they did a good job. Um, I was very pleased overall. Overall, I feel like that there were definitely peaks and valleys in like some of the pacing, just because I mean, because maybe of the freedom, the amount of freedom that the production houses were given to do whatever they wanted with the story and everything, and it might have been. Uh, tricky for Disney to kind of put the episodes in an order that kind of felt like I was surprised at, at the way it ended. I guess like the last... that was just the one story that ended that way, though. No, I like, know. You're but... thinking you're thinking of it as like a series, like and in... no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, I'm. I was surprised initially, and I still am that they placed it in that order. Placed it in that order with it being what I would consider a non-conventional way for a, a star wars story to tie up I, well no because if you look at empire strikes back and like basically the middle film of each trilogy like not, none of them really end on like a, a real happy note is kind of what you're alluding to because i know yeah. you were like wow that was not like a happy ending like i was kind of expecting and i think also with the disney name tied to these now People might be going in being like, oh, you know, it's Disney. It's going to be like la-di-da, like cool animation and like nice effects and good writing. But, you know, everyone's going to be like, okay. Mm. Or, you know, have a plausibly happy ending. And that's not necessarily 
what Star Wars is really about. Like, yeah, there's a definite, like, setting where good guys win in Star Wars the majority of the time. But, I mean, I, I read a lot of the Expanded Universe books, and a lot of those didn't end happily necessarily. So I guess I see it a different way. I wasn't like, <clears throat> oh, no. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's that. <clears throat> I mean, I wasn't like, oh, no, but I was just like, oh, that's surprising to me personally. Right. Um, I've only read a little bit of the expanded universe stuff. Um, yeah. Like the shadows of shadows the Empire, of Empire stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read a good bit of those and a lot of other stuff and some of the young adult ones as well. Um, or the Young Jedi series. But that... The young adult, Young Jedi series. Well, it was. It was young adult novels. So... Neither here nor there with the books, though, for Visions. Um, I liked how they had a lot of really recognizable voice actors, like especially from Jojo. Like, I mean, those guys are just in everything. It I just know. Happens to they be are. They really are. You're just um, really good at <laughs> noticing immediately the voice right. actors. But also there was the person who voices Orichimaru, mm-hmm. I believe... Uh, they just go by Cho. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's them. I might be completely wrong. It might be a different one syllable name. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we had Yuichi Nakamura, uh, Junya Enoki, and Wataru Ta- Takagi to name like a handful. I'm sure there were a couple ones that I missed, but those were the ones that jumped out at me on the voice actor list that I looked at. Um, so we've talked about the last episode a little bit and how it didn't end on like a happy-go-lucky kind of note, but did you have a favorite episode that stood out to you in terms of animation or story or both? Yeah, the, um, I mean, the story of this episode, it was the first uh, of the two that Trigger animated. And I'm not sure, uh, I have no idea what the episode was called, and the story of it is honestly fairly minimal. Um, it's literally the one where it's the brother and sister who each have of their own like star destroyer. <laughs> you know what's hilarious is the episode's literally called just twins. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but I just I enjoyed the simplicity of it, and it was just completely like nonsensical. And not that a lot like Star Wars is not always super like oh that makes sense. You just take a lot at face value and this one took that to an extreme i felt you also like. add anime into the factor and it's right they're just like i was like i was like hey i've never seen anything like this in star wars because it, it opens up with like the badass intro you know where it's like oh that's a star destroyer and then it's like oh there's two of them two of them right next to each other that's weird and then it's just like oh these these twin like they travel in packs honey yeah and then <laughs> there's this galaxy is filthy with them um this like they look like they're teens of course because it's anime and they're in command of these star destroyers and it's like one of them's a bad guy but they're both bad guys but not really because one of them wants to be a good guy and that's the whole premise yeah (laughs) the entire thing did you have a least favorite episode other than the last one or was that Hmm, i'm trying to think i think that that's the one you least connected with um this I'm trying to think. Well, which was, was it the second to last one that had like the, um, the girl who, yeah, the adopted, Mm -hmm. like that one was really good. That one reminded me of Cowboy Bebop in in animation style. What was your least favorite? Um, (laughs) which one? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't have any that I really disliked. 
There okay. was a couple that the animation style didn't really jive with me at first, mm. um, but it grew on me. Like the one, the robot one, I didn't really enjoy the animation style for the first couple minutes. Like it took me a, a minute to warm up to it. That's surprising because you like Mega Man so much and I feel like it was very much like Mega Man stylized. I feel like you even said that. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the fact that the very obviously like Mega Man adjacent robot was the protagonist of it and ends up being the hero. But I think I'm really touchy when it comes to mishandling of Mega Man-esque properties. No way. Yeah, ever since uh, that that super shit um, failed Kickstarter game. I can't even remember what the hell it was called. That's okay. It doesn't deserve to be remembered. Yeah, but it super, I really ended up enjoying that one too. So I, I don't know, but what about you? So you're saying you don't have a least favorite. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like if I, if I stared at them really hard right now, I'd probably be able to pick one out of it, like out of a hat, but. Um, honestly, I think my least favorite was the Tatooine Rhapsody. So that was the second episode with the band. Mm. and Jabba the Hutt. I mean, it was cute and everything, but it didn't feel very Star Wars-esque other than like, hey, that's Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett. That one, yeah, that one definitely felt the most like, this is some super tropey anime shit. Yeah. So. But, I mean, it was cute. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but I think it it is my least favorite. Um, The ninth Jedi one, which was episode five, so right smack dab in the middle where all the the Jedi get called in, you know, Mm. and they're supposed to meet this guy, and then like the plot twists and everything, I felt like were fairly Star Wars-esque. Again, reminded me of reading the books and things like that, just storyline-wise. And I did actually really enjoy um, let's see, so Tetsuo... Kanao was also one of the voice actors in that. Shinichiro Miki. All these names are standing out to me, probably because I've looked at them dozens of times. And I I can't place them at the moment because I can't see their faces. But um, those are standing out to me as some of the big name ones. And um, yeah, I really did enjoy that, um, especially with like the the Sabersmith. Yeah, that was... It Which was reminded me a lot of like the Mandalorian, like the forger of the um, mm-hmm. the armor and stuff like that. That was really cool. The um, the fact that they were in a, what basically was a giant orbital kyber crystal. Yeah, was like that was intense. That was like, oh, it's a giant lightsaber, basically. Yeah. All right. So um, moving on to our next topic will be the seasonally appropriate spooky um, slash. <laughs> Uh, fucked up, I guess, animes that we watched based on the mm. recommendations of several people from um, Discord in a couple different servers. And for those of you who referred me to anime, I do have it written down, uh, but we just didn't get to it this month. So we will probably be venturing into those as long as they're available on a streaming service that we are subscribed to. So let's go right into Devilman Crybaby. Season one, the only season, debuted in 2018. And I remember seeing a lot about it online at the time. And I also was like, I think this was before Netflix really started carrying a lot of heavy hitting anime. And it's a Netflix original on top of that. And I think it was one of the first Netflix original animes to really make a big name for itself. And I remember us watching the first or second episode or maybe both. I only made it originally one episode in and i remember specifically feeling like the fact that it was a netflix original at the time 
made me take it a lot less seriously. I yeah, like, I feel eh. like I remember you being like really nonplussed with it, like unimpressed, kind of like the animation is, I don't want to say stodgy. It's very stylized. Like it it's is. It's incredibly stylized. And I think you and I just really hadn't seen anything in that style before, really. <clears throat> I'd seen one other work by that animation house, and it's it's more of the same. Actually, the, the other work I'd seen, which I cannot for the life of me remember, was um, even more stylized. It was like a short, so it definitely wasn't like a long format thing. But I kind of knew going into it that it was going to be really weird, also because I'd heard a lot of people say that it's fucking batshit. Yeah. And this was like, you know, several years ago. And I was like, okay, I've seen some batshit anime. And yeah. then I wasn't ready for that level of batshit, honestly. Like, not. Just from the first episode or from the whole thing? The whole thing. The first yeah. episode is tame as shit in comparison. Which is wild. Because it's fucking crazy. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Like, it, it's literally like this orgy party is right. more than like half the episode. And then suddenly <laughs> it's just filled with demons who are ripping people in in two and sometimes three <laughs> sometimes three or more mm -hmm. and you know we both knew that this came from an original manga source published back in the 70s and there's the running joke of like double man um being like that story like upsetting you know mothers in japan for decades now like what 50 years almost yeah and, and they're, not, they're not kidding yeah, and I was just like, oh, ha-ha. Like, yeah, I can see, like, <laughs> if if we were parents and we had a young teenager who was reading that, like, I would have to gird myself to have several talks. It's just, it's shocking at times, especially because of the, I feel like because of the stylized animation where it'll all of a sudden be hyper, I don't want to say hyper-realistic, but, like, it'll it'll shift animations to really accentuate mm -hmm. something that's happening. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could have done without seeing that. Yeah, but I think that was also, like, part of the story. And I don't want to say this is an anime or a story that merely exists for shock factor because it definitely is not. It, there's definitely a lot of um, discussion points in this particular anime which mm -hmm. i fully intend on spending like the majority of our time talking about simply because mm. there's so much to talk about um you know there's um lgbtq plus uh representation in it as well as like allegories for that you know like being yourself no matter how other people perceive you kind of thing but then there's also miko professing her love for mickey um, after, you know, so long and that whole aspect is literally like her just coming out and like admitting like who she is to this other girl and like why she's been the way she's been their whole lives. And there's just, <laughs> it's heavy. It's a lot to unpack. Um, let's see. So I have some stuff in front of me that I had read a few weeks ago that I thought was really interesting. Um, so a lot of there's been a lot of critical reception of this and a lot of analysis um, prior to us sitting here talking about it and uh, like places like media like Kotaku and sci-fi.com, Bloody Disgusting, GameSpot, like all these people with those um, media uh, centers have already discussed all of this really. So this is... And actually, the Discord server made a joke that, like, um, 
there's something about an anime trope where there's like a blonde haired like twink who's like i'm gonna be gay and do crimes and make the brunette clean up after him (laughs) (laughs) like that whole thing um and and i had seen that before we finished because there was like a parallel between like rio and akira and dio and jonathan and i was just like oh ha ha okay so rio's gonna like turn out to be like kind of shit lord if this meme is accurate kind of kind of shit lord What's well, a very big understatement. He is he's <laughs> under he's underhanded at best. And uh, just uh, and that's before certain things are awakened. Yeah, and it's just like I, I didn't know what to expect. I had never read the original manga. I had never seen the original source material. I really actually enjoyed the story as bad as it ends, which is literally with an apocalypse. Bad ending is an understatement. Yes. And I, it honestly took me way off guard. Yeah. But the thematics leading up to it, um, you know, so, so Rio goes on like international news and outs demons at like this giant track race uh, that Akira is taking part in. And Rio kind of begins his plan to eradicate all humankind um, with like outing demons and then pitting humans against each other and honestly like maybe back in 2018 i would have felt some type of way about enjoying this kind of story because i probably would have felt like no people are good and people these days aren't quite like that like it would take a lot more to like plant these seeds of paranoia and genocidal tendencies but honestly after the past four years and the pandemic has brought out the bad in a lot of people and also i'll just go ahead and say like the resurgence of fucking neo-nazis not resurgence but the them unabashed scuttling out from their coming yeah coming out from underneath the fridge yeah um and and just the the prevalence of their unabashed actions left and right during the last United States administration just really kind of I was like no yeah this is this is about right for shit taking this wild of a turn but there's you know Akira who claims he's not fully demon and he's not fully human so he calls himself the devil man and he clings on to his sense of humanity and his human soul while even in demon form to try to get humans to stop killing each other. And I think that scene in particular when he's in the stadium or wherever he is and they have people tied up, you know, and mm. they're killing them. And he intervenes <clears throat> and, and says like, yeah, I'm you know, this is just who I am, but I still have the soul of a human and you're all humans. Why are you killing each other like this? And it takes like that little kid going up and like hugging him or his leg. He big. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's normal size still. And then the kid runs up and he's like, oh, he big. Yeah. So and yeah, that was a, that was a tough scene. It was but a the whole tough but- scene, but it was also like, yeah, like, let me just talk some sense into you really quick. Mm-hmm. The latter half of uh, Devil Man Crybaby is just a tumult of bad things happening very quickly. Yeah. Um, 
And I wasn't expecting the last half of the show to be what it was after I think it was like episode four or five with all the sex. Mm. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. I guess this is just going to be like other demons trying to get their fuck on with him. Not so. Not, not at all. No. And again, I have very minimal exposure to the original. Um, and I don't think that this is necessarily directly correlative to that story. I think this, this took in the original source material and kind of used it. it yes. To, you know, do its own original thing, which is fine. Yes. But I, I don't. I don't think that the original story ends with the end of literally the entire world, not just Armageddon, but like... It, it does. Does it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, yeah, because this is the only adaptation, and I'm reading this directly from the Wikipedia page, um, that featured the original apocalyptic ending of the manga, not featured in any other Devilman animated adaptations. Oh, okay. Um, and going off that... Um, no, sorry, go ahead. You were saying something. Um, no, I mean, you can, you can go. Um, it's just like, you know, it's, it's one single person having so much sway over an entire planet and that planet goes to hell in a handbasket so quickly. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the reality of this kind of thing before with concentration camps, with war with all kinds of unsavory elements of what it means to be a human but double man crybaby also i mean it, it does touch on topics like puberty like you could you could say like okay yeah this is an allegory for accepting people despite how they look because it what is on the inside is what really matters but you can also say, well, Aki was, Akira was so young when he was turned into a demon. I mean, it's an allegory for puberty, for the changes, and you might feel monstrous or feel inhuman while you're going through all of this stuff. And it takes a minute to find yourself. But, I mean, it's it's a lot of things. It's, it's a really... It's... it's how people deal with love it's how people deal with sex it's how people deal with trauma it's how people deal with manipulation it's it's a look at humanity and it's ugliest at certain points and i think that was really poignant and i that's why i wasn't like super upset with the super apocalyptic ending I mean, I wasn't upset with it. I was just... You were just like, wow, feels bad, man. <laughs> Which, I, yeah, it didn't feel good. I just... And I, I know that there was like the after credits a little bit that implied that even though there was the end of all things, that there was going to be somehow either... I don't know if that was supposed to be Venus or Mars or something, but it definitely wasn't Earth. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's hard to tell, but I have a I have a feeling this is another instance of hey, we we died off for hunt, like tens of millions of years, like they were or supposedly the original yeah. demons were like the dinosaurs, basically. Yeah, and then they came back. So I'm assuming this is another like hundred million year time skip kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and there's also yeah the biblical aspect of things. It's literally like God's creation versus, uh what's the word i'm looking for (laughs) 
like a not a manipulation of that same creation but like a A bastardization of it. bastardization um just things happening an evolution Mm. you know and um i did want to touch on one last thing that i really really liked about the anime um and that is the music because the music slaps fucking slaps yes (laughs) i don't think i've seen a show really that had such a wide range of music. I feel like in the first half, it was very high tempo, very fast paced um, to match the kind of the, the the frequency of the of the action going on. Yeah. And in the latter half, it definitely slowed down. It was more melancholic. It was definitely matched the darker tone and the, the mood of the second half, mm-hmm. which I thought was amazing. I think it's I thought it was incredibly well done. I thought it was very interesting, and you brought it up because I had no idea. But the um, the rap group, mm-hmm. like it's just a, a reoccurring thematic throughout the whole series. He's um, an actual rapper. He's an actual Japanese rapper. So yeah, I was like, oh, that makes sense, considering that I I, I don't speak Japanese, and yeah. the speed at which he was rapping, I was like, okay, he sounds legit. Yeah. So Ken the three ninety is his rapper name, um, and again we have. A lot of um, noticeable voice actors. We've got Kenjiro um, Suda, and we have uh, like the two main characters. One of them was voiced by the same guy who did Hinata in Haikyuu, and the other one was Tsukishima from Haikyuu or um, Inumaki from Jujutsu. Mm. Um, so that was like really like good to see again familiar voice actors. Doing stuff where you wouldn't necessarily um, expect them. Yeah, I mean these these guys, we I don't, I don't like they probably don't want to get typecast just as much as other um, actors or voice actors from other countries don't want to get typecast. So it's probably really good for their career. Yeah, and this I mean Devilman was honestly it was published originally in a shonen. Well, it was probably like V Jump or something like that, um, um, which is like their. Uh, or like you know, not Shonen Jump, but like Senin Jump. No, like, it was it. This says Shonen. Shonen Jump. No, not Shonen Jump, but it was published in a Shonen magazine. That's that, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it feels That's a little <laughs> literally what it says. I mean, it might be wrong. This is Wikipedia, but because the only the only reason I would be questioning that is because for the time period when the manga came out, like the, Japan was very very hyper vigilant about um, the. Right, publications in which certain things were allowed to be published. I know, and it literally, like this whole paragraph I'm looking at says that um, the mangaka Go Nagai was restrained in the depiction of the sexual and violent content because it was published in Shonen. So uh, Hmm. Nagai's later works were even more extreme, and so he created Crybaby, the guy who did create Crybaby, with the mindset of if Nagai-sensei could have done as he pleased he'd have gone this far. Hmm. So the anime was definitely took that the base manga and kind of ramped it up quite a bit because of the lack of restrictions, I guess you could say. Okay, that makes sense. Right. So I think that's all I really want to touch on with this particular show, unless there's something else you wanted to talk about that really struck you as poignant or worth mentioning. 
Um, no, it's just uh, I, I am genuinely curious to see. I don't know. I kind of feel like a, it's left me with a Fist of the North Star impression where it's like because Fist of the North Star has had two fairly recent, let's say like loose, loosely saying that or fairly recent uh, anime adaptations um, that diverge significantly from the source uh, manga and everything. So I'd be curious to look back and maybe check out some of the other versions of um, Devilman to see if, you know, how they, how they compare. Different iterations. Yeah. See, you know, what, what the iterative adaptation has been over the years. Sure. Um, all right, so if that's everything, then let's move on to, I think, I don't want to say this was the dark horse of the the smattering of stuff we watched for October. I was October. just thinking that. I know. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's the right verbiage for it, but I feel like we had no idea what to expect, and I feel like it met all of our non-expectations yeah, regardless. I, I, I had heard good things from exactly one person um, and nobody else that I knew I, was talking about it. I hadn't heard anything about this. There's a channel in one of the Discord servers that talks about this from time to time, but I really, you know, I don't like to spoil myself a lot. So I hadn't really <laughs> dove into this fandom and I just really think that Doro Hidoro is worth a watch. It's only one season right now. Yes. I, I want to read the manga because I know that I know. I mean, I guarantee you, especially from the way that the first season ends. I'm like, I remember we were both like, what? Really? That's where it's ending. Like, yeah. it's fucking nuts. Like, holy shit. Well, because I also thought that it was a single thing like Devilman Crybaby. Like, it's a one season kind of thing. One and done in this. Yeah. I, I kind of got garnered. It was only that, like too. 10 episodes as well, I think, or maybe like 12. Uh, 12. So, and then, again, and then it, it bullshitted us because it made it sound like that there was an OVA at the end. Oh, I liked that. I, I liked know, it too. I but know it's very misleading and very misleadingly titled as an OVA, but... I think somebody at Netflix goofed and was like, oh, yeah. this is an OVA, but it was an omake. Yeah. <laughs> Not an OVA. Yeah. Which is fine, but yeah, I was expecting... I was like, oh, they're probably going to tie up the, the everything that was loose no, ends. No, just added more little fun things. It's yeah. little stories that... It was like the in-betweens. Yeah, just kind of little side side bits mm-hmm. um, starring everybody that you've gotten to know and love. Yeah, which, so, which like the characters are... They're... I don't want to say they're all horrible, <laughs> but they're all like very violent and again, they have their very self-serving motives and stuff. Yeah, but. I'm going to say like this is again like another really good study of what it means to be a human. Like mm-hmm. it's a good study in humanity and how people interact with each other. But I want to talk about something that <laughs> was a little bit of a touchy subject for you being like, I want to know how like the sorcerers got to where they are and what the deal is with the whole, because I feel like mm. it's not just, this didn't just happen this way. Like it's, and I'm like, look, like there's no backstory. So I'm just sitting here like, okay, that is how it is. But apparently <laughs> we just found this out today. Apparently it is supposed to be a post-apocalyptic future. Mm-hmm. Um, where, yes, sorcerers and humans cannot and will not coexist with each other for several reasons. And, like, humans live in this place called the Hole, Mm. and sorcerers supposedly live above them. 
And if they cross paths with one another, I mean, it's it's lights out for everybody. Yeah, it's it is. I, I don't know. It it ticks all the boxes for me personally. Like it feels like dystopian. It's got that like fill in the blank punk aesthetic. Like so, you're it's like on the 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 outskirts of any number of popular, you know sci-fi slash you know a lot of other fiction that you you probably know and love so it kind of just interpolates a lot of all those things into its own original thing which all very lovable characters like they all have their own complete personality like even the bad guys like I don't get the sense of anyone being a bad guy in this they all just have their own motivations yeah and they just happen to be diametrically opposed most of the time throughout the runtime of the series but there's no distinct like yeah you're definitely right and you're definitely wrong you're like oh well you're wrong for that but you're right for this this and this and same with like the other side yeah the bad guys just are doing their thing like they're just some they're just like best friends like bad guys and the fact that they like you just said are diametrically opposed to the main characters i wouldn't even Call the main characters like protagonists, though. Like, yeah, it does. It spends a lot of time on all of the characters. Like everybody's an antihero. Like, let's put it that way. Yeah, it just happens. Like, it just happens to be that you are introduced to Kaimon and um, what's her name? Nikaido. Nikaido. Like right first. off the bat. Yeah. So you're like, oh, your brain, your 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 reptile brain is like y'all are protags. Hmm. Yeah, I like. No these pun two. intended. Yes. <laughs> yeah, your reptile brain. Yeah. Um it's 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 a lot of fun. Like yeah. it's a lot of fun. The it's funny because I feel like 3 years ago I would have had I would have had my grumbles about the animation uh-huh. being and I'm just like I'm just like, man, I, shut shut up to, I to think, me, like to myself in the past. Like, I think I was watching a wide variety of um anime these days. I'm I'm much more open to different styles. I'm way more open to um, animes being produced that reflect the style of the manga, the original manga, mm-hmm. a la Sailor Moon Crystal. Like, instead of just handing an animation studio a story that's already been written and them being like, yeah, well, we're going to do, we're going to draw this like our own way. It's more like, okay, no, we're going to like get as close to the, and like Jojo does the same thing. Like David Productions has done a great job staying faithful to Iraqi's art style for that arc, for that story, for that part. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, I don't know if David Productions really like set the bar for this or if it's just been kind of an ongoing trend lately, but I do feel that more and more studios are really just staying faithful to because back back when we were growing up, you could look at something. Um, I can't think of the studio name right now, but you could look at a handful of anime and know exactly which studio produced it because it all looked the same. Yeah, but that was also during the height of brute forcing mm-hmm. because he had to get just like as much media to the market as quickly as possible or else right some other clone of even you would come along and dis- displace you right and i feel like also 
the the manga the source material being put out there was a lot of pressure for it all to look very similar so a lot of shoujo stuff looked very similar you had the big eyes and the long legs to torso ratio and maybe not quite as the extreme of sailor moon um style but you know it was there and then a lot of the shonen manga was very similar as well with the more pinched facial features the squarer eyes oh my god what was that one show on toonami that used to come on before sailor moon oh my god it was, was it another sh- shoujo kind no of it was shonen and it was oh my god what the fuck was it i can see the characters in my head right now but i cannot come up with it and it was um it was late 80s early 90s like oh so yeah i know so hard like, like very it, typical it was it was kind of like a voltron yeah thing yeah yeah i know that but they were knights was was it the knights one like where they were yeah. like goofy sci-fi knights maybe yeah i feel like there was like some power ranger element to it yeah. as well yeah yeah i know what you're talking about okay so but you remember my brain wants to forget about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i literally just remembered it, it ever existed yeah um, because I would catch glimpses of it. I remember the they fought in a lot of rocky canyons with a lot of drab colors that were very, I'm sure, very easy to animate backgrounds for, like that kind of a show. I remember like shit, the main colors being like red, green, and blue. Yeah, as you do. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And yeah, maybe dark backgrounds. Yellow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dark-haired boys that all looked very, very similar. Angular. Just like not, the, not that angular, actually. They were I a little bit more rounded, but yeah, they had the... the hell is this? You keep, I know, <laughs> keep you're going to have to look it up while I'm talking. So um, anyway, back to Doro Hidoro. Um, so the separation of the humans and the sorcerers was is a major plot point. It isn't just like, oh, that's just how it is. What is it? Knights of the Zodiac. No, no? that's not it. This would really... It's not. Oh, it's not Saint Seiya. Knights of the Zodiac. It's not Saint Seiya. Fuck. Okay, go on. Sorry. Um. So yeah. Um. It turns out that like this happened. So the sorcerers and the humans are separated because of something that happened. That, of course, only having seen the anime, we have no idea what the backstory is. Um. And like we were just talking about the characters and how everybody has like their personalities and their motives and everything. I do think that, like, I have a favorite character. Who is that? Honestly, I think Noi is, like, my favorite character. But she's only by, like, a slight margin. I mean, her or Nakaido are close for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. But Ebisu is also up there because yeah. of how ridiculous she is. Yeah, they're all, all, I mean, like I said, the, the characters are all just bonkers. Like, they all, they, like, the show. But we, uh, and then we have two main characters who have no memories mm-hmm. at the very beginning. And then we have a, a, not a clone of the main character, but like a, uh, <laughs> how would you call, like, not Kaiman, like. I have no. I still have no idea what the fuck's going on. Like the android on. version of him, or whatever. Like is it's. I I usually feel like I would be very frustrated with an anime at this point, with still not knowing as as much as I don't know. But I'm just honestly just kind of like I really want to know what the fuck's going on, and I'm intrigued. Right. Same with the main characters, because no one else. It, like I think the the lack of frustration comes from the fact that 
a lot of the main characters also have no idea what's going on. You know, they're like one minute they're living out their lives and the next minute it's like, who the fuck am I? Who who made me this way? Um, how did we get here? Who are you? Why are you going after me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so it's just, it's controlled chaos. Was it Ronin Warriors? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I knew it had an R in it, dude. And I'm yeah. like, it's not Ray Earth. That was Shoujo. Yeah, Ronin Warriors. I knew it. I was like, why do these, why do these dickheads warrior. look like... <laughs> Yeah, why do these dickheads look like they're trying to be like knockoff, like samurai knights, basically? Yeah, but like updated, like modernized, kind of. Yeah. Not modernized. No. But. But like what took, they thought. It didn't take place in what samurai. What they thought age. was going to be the modernized. Of yeah. Being a it's the '80s version of modernized. Of the future. <laughs> of the far off land of 20XX. Yeah. Which is like 15 years ago. Right. Sucks. So, so what's um. Or if you take XX to mean 20, then it was only last year. What's Who's your favorite character? If you had to pick. Um, I think either... I mean, I think either I, Nikaido or... What's the mushroom guy? Um, what's his, his name? His name is N. N. Mm-hmm. N fucking cracks me up in a weird way. Because he's just... I can't figure him out. And I, I don't... I don't know. Like, his whole thing is just so chaotic but yeah. i feel like eventually it's gonna i think i get the distinct feeling and again i haven't read any of the manga so i I'm, I'm at the same exact juncture as you are with the story i get the distinct feeling that at the end of this somehow like we were kind of alluding at earlier it's not going to be that there's any such thing as like a good guy bad guy kind of thing mm-hmm. it's just going to be like i think everyone is eventually going to have to kind of come together to fight an actual antagonist kind mm. of situation. Like, I mean, like this entire series deals actively with real world devils from hell. That's a real place. Yeah. That they I use forgot to flush about that. their turds. I forgot into. about that. That hell is like an actual place that exists and you can go to. Yeah. And the, and the hole is real close, close enough that they can just op- put a toilet over put it. Put a toilet over it and then like be careful when you flush because if you flush <laughs> and you're sitting on it, you're going to burn your asshole. Yeah. With hellfire. Yeah. So, and is I don't know. I feel like his potential as a character is and is is really like a lot to the upper limit for me right now. So yeah. So just like a quick backstory on this guy, he's Mushroom Man. Um. <laughs> so and we get a quick glimpse of his of his um coming in, coming into the world. Yeah. Um. That he doesn't remember what happened to his parents he just knew that his parents were dead and he thinks that he transformed his parents into mushrooms and survived by eating them yeah he yeah from like literally from when he was born yeah and then he was found by a devil with uh yeah they just fly around and they're like uh hello good morning or it's evening now so they do these announcements and they're supposed to kind of be like um really hands off with like everything going on they're only in the sorcerer realm too right usually yes yes they they but can then, go wherever they want yeah and apparently they have all knowledge yes they always. know everything um and so they do actually intervene at one point uh so far which was interesting to see because i'm like what the fuck are you doing like what's happening yeah again them, what's happening but nobody has, else knows one of them has a very active vested uh interest in nikaido yes um like almost like a fatherly relationship in a weird way <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, more like a a mentor kind yeah. of situation, but 
yeah, it's, um, it's, it's wild. <laughs> Everything about this is wild. And, uh, again, I didn't know what to expect really, but it met my expectations and then some yeah, for sure. And, you know, as far as the music and stuff goes again, it's very appropriate. It did not slap nearly as hard as devil man. It was still good though. It was still good. And, um, I do appreciate that. Like things slowly unravel it's not like a lot of modern day shows where they you're focused on one mystery and it gets revealed at the end of Mm. the season but then like oh just kidding there's another mystery right behind it like this is just again none of the characters really know what's going on don't really know how we got here the viewers the same way there's no sense of irony like dramatic irony in that capacity whatsoever other than the fact that literally everyone including the viewer knows that nikaido is a sorcerer except for kaiman who just thinks everyone's joking <clears throat> well he for a while yeah i mean he he eventually is like I, I i've known for a while i just didn't want to admit to myself yeah um because his whole thing is literally just like he has no memory, and the only thing that he knows is sorcerer's bad, um, obviously, because his whole existence has gotten fucked up because of sorcery. At least he thinks so. Um, we're still not even really sure either yeah. what the hell actually happened to him, other than he's immune to magic. In this form. In this form. Obviously, he wasn't immune to magic before he was yeah. transformed into having a reptile head. Right, but now he is. Um, but his closest friend and his only like real true friend, I guess at this point, uh, I guess he's got a couple weird, odd friends. Um, but his close his friend, yeah, his coworker, the surgeon guy, mm-hmm. um, is a sorcerer. And apparently she is an exceptionally powerful one who has sworn off magic mm-hmm. for still an indeterminate reason. <laughs> so. You know what I, I really, I think enjoy the most that really took me off guard was the fact that there is a giant cockroach <laughs> named Johnson. <laughs> yeah. He who wears can sneakers. Speak. Yeah, he wears sneakers. He <laughs> can speak. And he can um, apparently uh, have some kind of cognitive ability on top of all this because there's scenes where he's like helping out other characters, mm-hmm. like willingly helping them out um, in certain situations. And it's. Um, yeah, uh, but apparently he's he's controlled by the doctor. I forgot about that. He is controlled by the doctor, but I don't know how much of that is controlling the cognitive abilities or not. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing he says is shocking. Yeah, for the time being. Which is great. <clears throat> he also yeah. helped him break out of prison. Or that. Right. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Oh man, that anime is fucking bonkers. You guys should just really watch it if you haven't yeah, already. Yeah, if like, you haven't watched me. Doro Hidoro, it's definitely worth the watch. Um, it's worth every calorie. Uh-huh. It's fun. It's an unsolved mystery. It is crazy and stupid at times, and it, it helps immensely. I feel like they picked the perfect voice actor for Kaimon because it's the same guy who did Okiyasu. <laughs> every time. He fucking talked for the entire first episode. Oi, Oi Josuke. Like, yeah. All I could hear is Okiasu. Yeah. Dumbass voice. And I feel like Kaiman himself is a bit of a himbo. So it just really rounds it out very nicely. Mm, it all comes back to Jojo. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's innately kind or not yet, actually. That's a big question mark. So himbo question mark? He 
since he has no memories of anything else, I feel like Kaiman is kind. Like, except for the fact that he goes around devouring sorcerers. Because he doesn't know anything else. To him and to... He's just trying to, like, help his friends or people that he sees as being on the right side of things. I don't know. He's ethically compromised. and He doesn't pay for his food. If he was a himbo, he would definitely pay for his gyoza. And he wouldn't have a running tab. Does he, though? Does she ever even charge him for anything? I think she tries to when he's like, yeah, yeah, later. I don't get the impression that she's ever once like actually and the asked fact, for money. The fact that people actively avoid her store because he's there all the time kind of speaks volumes that maybe he's not innately kind. I think people just don't want to like fucking come around because even though he might not want to admit it, he feels some kind of way about Nikaido and like is... Obviously. Yeah. But that's not something that's going to deter hungry people normally. They're just like, look, man, I'm just here to eat. Yeah, and they do live in a place called The Hole. So. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's for more discussion at a later time, I think. We have yeah. uh, run out the clock on this episode, so. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add? Oh, shit, we didn't talk about House Husband. House Husband's fucking adorable, and I love it very, Yeah, fuck very you, much. Connor. Yeah, Connor, go eat shit. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know actually. You are. Don't, don't eat shit, Connor. Yeah, he'll get sick, probably. Um, but I just, yeah, it's it's stupid, and they're tiny little series of stories that are like amped up to a thousand that are nonsensical and non sequitorial really, but they're so good and so pure and the absurdity of it makes you just want to laugh. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me laugh no matter what. And I've already, I've already read like up past the anime. So I, I know all these stupid gags and it still makes me fucking crack up. I can't remember like the last time I laughed like that hard at like little stupid things. Mm-hmm watching an anime like i sincerely like how uplifting it is and how silly it is i think that is yeah. to its non-detriment <laughs> yeah because everybody just like they all they're all like trying to be tough but they're all a bunch of softies like everybody is just yeah. like like all the gang members that are still in the gangs and yeah. even all of them they're like oh my god your dog how is his face so fluffy and squishy yeah like, <laughs> Let me let me post a thousand pictures to my Instagram right. of me posing with a stupid Shiba Inu. And then his like his um uh how do you what do you call like a a person under you in the mafia? Uh, Ana- no. Aniki is big bro. Yeah, that's um, like your superior. It's, instead of saying senpai, you would say Aniki. So instead yeah. of saying anyway, so Cole. Kohai, Kohai, like, I think Kohai, he's, is, Kohai. I think you'd still say that. Or is it Kohei? I don't know. But anyway, so the blonde kid, whose name <laughs> I can't remember, is um, um, what's his face is Ta- Takeda? No, what's his name? Um, the Eternal. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah, I'm not asking what Eternal his nickname Dragon. is. Eternal Dragon. Uh, shit. I don't know, dude. Anyway, he's... so so the main guy has this younger person that was also in the mafia with him, and they hang out a bunch. And there's like one instance where like the guy is sick, and he promises his wife he'll go home and like take it easy and relax. And so this kid comes over and is like, "You promised you would take it easy," and like makes him lay in bed all day yeah. and makes him play video games with him and like just 
like really do nothing even though there's shopping that has to be done and dinner that has to be cooked and the kid is just like no you promised he's really good at that he's really good at it and doing it and the guy is like wow i'm really impressed at how good you are at taking it easy yeah and it's just like so pure it's the uh immortal tatsu tatsu is the name yeah yeah Yeah. that's john so yeah it's it's really cute and it's really good and i just it's such a nice thing to like giggle at and be like this is absurd but like in the best way possible yeah it's fucking hilarious like it's one of the hands down the funniest stupid little like i mean and like it's barely animated i get it again shut up connor (laughs) (laughs) but just fucking just enjoy it i guess like i don't know you can enjoy things that you know don't doesn't have to have a story it's just there it's like a it's like a four panel Mm-hmm. anime or four yeah a four panel manga Comic. turned into a literal anime yeah like that's how it comes across and it, so. i like it because i think i have attention problems and it's really easy because the little stories go by so quickly yeah and before you know it you're done but yeah. uh there's also like a live action thing that goes with it that's also available on netflix i think it's called the way of the voice actor or something no it's the it's 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 like the way of the like the art of the house house husband because it's like literally as if you were trying to get into the stuff that house husbandry in japan is like is all about but it's a voice actor who does it yes with with somebody who is not but it's live action and it's more of the same it's really cute yeah it's very cute it's very feel good it reminds me oddly of like british bake show as if it was an absurd like based off of an absurdist uh japanese anime yeah so yeah it's really cute so if you're into way of the house husband definitely give that little side thing a shot as well and um thank you for joining us officially now i'm announcing the end of the podcast oh for real (laughs) yeah for real this time psych no i'm just kidding um so that was october's lineup for you a good smattering of things um yeah, so we will. We got plenty see ya. more shit coming up. We will so. not see it in November, but we have some really, really, really fun, cute anime to talk about for November, which I'm excited about. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Good night. Bye.